Welcome to the Pro Football Network betting podcast. Once again, we're here to bring you analysis and picks off of all of Sunday's games. Hopefully you listened to our Thursday pod for the Thursday night game between the Jags and Saints. And of course, we'll have a Monday pod to talk about the Monday night football game that is coming up. But first, we're going to break down all of Sunday's games. I'm joined with from the director of betting from Pro Football Network, Brian Lewis, as always. Uh, special guest this week, Patrick Everson, senior editor of Vegas Insider, a fan of the program, been on earlier this year. Patrick, welcome back. We, we liked your stuff so much that we brought you back. <laughs> All right. Well, that's that's good to know. When you never hear back, it's like, hmm. Okay, so I'm glad I heard back and, uh, and, and happy to be a friend of the program, as you say. Great to join you two today. Well, good. We're going to go through all the picks. We're going to start in Indianapolis, where the Indianapolis Colts are hosting the Cleveland Browns. The line, while opening at two and a half, is now up to three in favor of the Browns off their big win last week uh, versus San Francisco. This time they're on the road at the Colts. Browns minus three, 39 and a half. We'll start with you, Brian. What are your thoughts on this game? Yeah, for me, just looking at this one and seeing how badly Gardner Minshew played last week when I had money on the Colts, of all teams for him to go up against is Cleveland Browns defense. It's just like, does anybody have any faith that him really be able to move the ball on this team and not turn the ball over? That's the only factor for me. The only thing preventing me of not taking the under here at 40 and a half is that even though that's basically hit in every Browns game of season except one game that required two defensive touchdowns, Minshew could also turn the ball over for, and then those could go for six too. So I do like the under here, just a fade of both offenses and a strong back in this Browns defense, but I'll be holding my nose every time Gardner Minshew drops back. Patrick, he's <laughs> leaning towards the under. You know I'm going to take the under, and I'll explain why in a minute since I'm on an unders thing this year and being successful with it. What are you hearing on the street, and what do you like? Well, look, what, what I heard, I talked to uh, Chase Michelson at Superbook a few, a few, you know, earlier in the week on this game. And this was really one that they, that, that their team had trouble, trouble with David. He said, making this line was like a jigsaw puzzle because, you know, primarily because of the quarterback situation and both teams coming off of very different results in week six, Indianapolis looked, he said, looked outclassed by Jacksonville. And as Brian alluded to, Cleveland had a huge win against San Francisco he thought this line would jump around a little bit, but it seems to me, and and Brian, you could you could probably back this up. This has been pretty, you know, a two like two and a half to three, and 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 kind of stabled out there. But um, it's 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 just how, as he said, different groups, and I think what he meant by that is different sharp groups would have different valuations of factors such as Walker and Minshew. If it ends up being Walker, which I think it it, it looks like it's going to end up being, um, and he also noted, you know, it's worth thinking about. It was a really big win for Cleveland. It could be a classic letdown spot for them. But uh, um, but as Brian alluded to, with Minshew back there, and you're not really sure what you're gonna what you're gonna what you're gonna get, maybe not a letdown. So I'm on a kick this year with with unders, and it's not the first time I've done this. Um, I I actually love betting unders. I love finding two awful offenses put together and thinking that in terms of the Vegas lines and the betting public, people are afraid to go under low numbers and you can get some value there because Vegas is just not going to go too low. Even if you have a matchup of potentially two backup quarterbacks, listen, Deshaun Watson's been injured. Who knows he's going to play? Uh, the, the Browns have featured various quarterbacks this year and haven't gotten anywhere with it. And now we know Anthony Richards is out for the year. We got Gardner Mishu, which Brian hit on a few minutes ago. So I see two struggling offenses. I also see the number one defense in the league. They're number one across the board in every category in the Cleveland Browns. So 
with the Browns struggling on offense every single week without a quarterback and a starting running back and Indianapolis having a backup quarterback against the Browns defense, give me another under. I like to tout it. I've told it to Brian a few dozen times in games that I have bet, not all of them, but when I have bet unders of 41 or less and identified a number that I thought was too high, I'm 5-0 and this year. So I'm going to continue. I don't bet them all. It's not like a blanket, hey, it's 39, let's go under. But if I see a matchup right. that I think is not low enough, and by the way, of the 5-0, and there was the only one that was a sweat was the one in London last week with the Ravens and Titans due to the fourth quarter. Every single, I mean, we're talking about games that have finished 13 to seven. We're not talking about explosive offenses. I think Cleveland and Indy will go under the total. And, you know, I did it for the Thursday night game with, with the Jags and the Saints, and I'm going to do it again here with the Browns and Colts. Moving to the next game on our slate, we have the Washington Commanders visiting the New York Giants in an a NFC East battle of two, I would call them uh, performing below standard teams that we thought they'd do a little bit better this year. The line is currently the Giants getting three at home, 37 and a half. We'll start with you, Patrick. What do you think about these two struggling teams? Well, and, and as you said, I mean, New York made the playoffs last year and won a road playoff game. And, uh, you know, and, and Washington almost found its way into the playoffs last year. And, and, and you know, while at 500 hasn't necessarily looked great, um, this, this is one that I wouldn't, uh, I probably wouldn't necessarily bet this with your money, David, but maybe I would. Uh, it's, it's up a, up a half a point off of, uh, off of the opener that I got uh, from the guys at Superbook on Sunday night. And it, I guess it is worth noting New York's coming off a far better performance than people expected at Buffalo in in the week six Sunday night game. I mean, they pro they could have won that game. Maybe perhaps should have won that game, but, uh, and Washington gets, gets a little back on track after losing three in a row to get back to 500. So uh, they're at least both coming in with a little momentum. Perhaps a, I think the giants a little more so, although that was just a rock fight of a game, just an ugly game. Um, but uh, this is, it's not what I'm really interested in, but both these, you know, if, if the Giants are going to salvage their season, they've they've got to win this week. I can I'll, I'll tell you that, and and uh, I think there was a, a glimmer of hope in that in that Bills game, and including Saquon Barkley with just some you know some really good runs. He he was uh, he was he was tough to bring down on a few occasions there. Yeah, there's a lot of hold your nose games this week, and we're starting off mm -hmm. with a couple of them. I promise you, we'll get to some that we won't have to hold <laughs> our nose on. Brian, what do you see in this matchup? Yeah, talking about these two teams underperforming so far this season, my preseason predictions have been mixed. I've been a mixed bag. I was very wrong with the Broncos, very right about the Panthers, but another team I was right about was the Giants. That was just kind of like a fool's gold season for them last year. A lot of, like the Vikings being the luckiest team in NFL history really overshadowed how lucky the Giants got last year with these one-score wins, easy schedule, and really just Daniel Jones having like a fluky year when it comes to taking care of the football. But for this one, I don't really have a strong lean here. Before, as we're preparing for this podcast, I was looking at the odds, and it was at two and a half at FanDuel, but now it's up to three. And that just seems like too many points to me, this commander's team on the road that's pretty Jekyll and Hyde. Like, at one week, they could look really good. The next week, they could look terrible. And I'm not back in this Giants team anytime soon. The total is so low that even for you, it might be too low of an under for you to take. But at the same time, I don't think the Giants have scored offensive touchdown in a game this year, not in Arizona. Yeah, they haven't scored an offensive touchdown um, since week three, which was 13 quarters ago. And, you know, we all feel like we've aged three years since then. 
So you might be thinking that I'd like another under. Giants can't score. We saw it on Sunday night versus Buffalo. But the Washington defense is so bad that I am yeah. not willing to put my money on an under here. Like, I'm not saying the Giants are going to score because they can't. But you never know with Washington to score here or there. It's not hard to get to 40. Uh, is what it dog barking do is a sign? Isolate. They're going to take the Giants? Yes, you, you should take yeah. the Giants because my, because my underdog is going bananas. I apologize. You can't steal that from Doug Kazarian, an author who who always went up there and gave the dog pick of the week on, on Daily Wager. Um, <laughs> the one thing that I want to isolate here is we've played this a couple of weeks. We've talked about it on the pod. It's in the column that is at pfnbetting.com or get it at, at pfnbetting um, on, on Twitter. Uh, in the column I wrote, I'm taking Jalen Hyatt receiving yards over because there's been a wide receiver, mostly the number one wide receiver, and Giants really don't have one. But the number one wide receiver on the opponent of the Washington Commanders every week goes for 100 yards. We saw the, the, the A.J. Brown one to go for a million yards, but it happens every single week, even going back to Marvin Mins and the Broncos back in week two. So, unfortunately, I can't find a Jalen Hyatt line right now. It's just not posted at any book. Um, there are other props up, but I haven't found it, so I'm going to wait. But I'm, I'm going to isolate that one and – I assume it's not going to be higher than 44 or 50. These guys running, these wide receivers on New York don't get any yards anyway. But the Washington defense has allowed a hundred yard receiver every single week since week two of the season. Wow, that's quite a stat. I will say though, in the heaven, they did bend. They haven't been close. Forbes. They did, but even last week we saw Drake London exactly. show up for the first time in his entire that. career. It didn't matter still. Yeah. Right. We saw DJ Moore do it. We've seen AJ Brown do it. We've seen Marvin Mims do it. We saw Drake London do it. So yeah. um, I'm missing one because they've played five games, but they've got over 100. Like, you're going to allow Drake London and the Falcons Stephon to get 140 yards. Uh, Stefan Diggs was the other one, right? That was that was when it was expected. Yeah. So Stefan Diggs, Marvin Mims, Drake London, AJ Brown, and, and DJ Moore all have huge games against the Washington secondary. Moving on to a NFC South battle between the Atlanta Falcons and Tampa Bay Bucks. The Bucks are now sitting at minus two and a half at home. Total has dropped to 37 and a half, yet another low total this week. I'll start it off because I think this line smells and it stinks, and I'm trying to figure it out. Uh, I wrote in the column that the Falcons haven't shown us anything since their 2 0 start, having one win since then on a last minute touchdown in Desmond Ritter's one shining moment versus the Houston Texans, one that the Texans are going to want back. And listen, I'm not saying the Bucs are good. The Bucs are pretty much what we thought they'd be. But two and a half signifies that these two teams are even on a neutral field, and I don't think they are. I think the Bucs are better, not significantly better, but better than even with the Falcons. You're getting them at home. I'm going to be taking the Bucs this week. I'll start with you, Brian. NFC South battle, who do you like? Yeah, I'm pretty much the exact same page as you here. It almost seems too easy to take the Bucks giving under a field goal at home. Everyone knew the narrative about Desert Ritter at home, but Desert Ritter on the road has been atrocious so far as in his short NFL career. His yards per attempt are at 5.52 on the road, and his completion percentage drops 10 points, like 10%. Like as bad as Ritter is in general, he's even worse on the road. And I kind of I was on the page last week. I know a lot of sharps like the Bucks last week against the Lions getting the hook at home, but I was never I never was in on that. I didn't take the Lions at the same time. I just thought that was a little bit of a trap because I wasn't really convinced this Bucks team is very good. But they're certainly better than the Falcons. I mean, just looking at uh, Aaron Schatz's DVOA, the Bucks are 15th, the Falcons are 26th. 
Patrick, what are you hearing with this game? Well, not again, like you said, a lot of a lot of uh, kind of hold your nose games, so not a lot of detail on this. But I like, you know, I agree with what you're saying, David. I just I think this is a much better spot for the Bucks. Uh, I I think uh, you know there were there was a uh, you know a sharp group or two that 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 felt pretty good about Atlanta coming into the season that I heard some of the sports book guys behind the counter talking about that they were betting the Falcons over on their win total and they were pretty confident in it and moving that number. But, uh, you know, Atlanta's not where, I mean, three and three, they're 500. They may still, you know, I think that, I think it was eight and a half that they were trying to get to. So it's not like they're uh, off that pace necessarily, but, uh, you know, to Brian's points, this isn't, uh, you, you know, Ritter on the road and so forth. It's, I, I think this is a good spot for the Bucks. I mean, losing to Detroit, Grant, I know they only put up six points, but Detroit's defense is a, is the real deal, I think. And that's obviously Detroit's a very good team yep. straight up against the spread. Tampa Bay at home for the second week in a row. I I don't think it's a it's a big ask to to have them win by a field goal in this game. To borrow a poker phrase, there you have the first community pot of the day. All three of us on the Bucks minus two and a <laughs> half. Do with that what you shall do. Uh, whether you want to jump on board with the community play or fade the crap out of this show, uh, Bucks minus two and a half. All three of us. On it, staying in divisions, since there seems to be a lot of divisional matchups this week, we go back to the AFC East. The Bills, fresh off their Sunday night survival of the New York Football Giants, uh, travel up the Foxborough to face the one in five, and I'm going to say that as often as I possibly can. One in five, New England Patriots. Uh, these are lines you don't see often in Foxborough. The Patriots are getting eight and a half at home, probably deservingly so. Total at forty and a half. Um, eight and a half with the New England Patriots, things we never thought we'd see. But in case you hadn't heard, they're one in five this season. Patrick, what do you like about this game? Uh, not necessarily a lot, but it's 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 a lot more interesting now with just how how Buffalo struggled on Sunday night with the Giants and now has to go on the road to face Bill Belichick. And I understand the Patriots are are not the Patriots, and maybe this is the uh, you know, maybe this is the you know the real decline that comes to this to this franchise. But what I thought was interesting is when I talked to uh, you know an odds maker at the Superbook on Sunday night, he noted they they moved they opened Bills nine and immediately went to nine and a half. But as you know, David, this is down to eight and a half now. So and we talked a little bit about this pre-show. Brian was wondering whether the sharp sharp folks were on the. Uh, we're on the Patriots here. I would think they are if that's, you know, having come down to eight and a half. And I talked with another odds maker on Wednesday about this and they were looking at, you know, early, not a whole lot of money in the pot as this goes, all the money comes in as we know on, on the weekends and closer to kickoff, but on the spread two and a half to one tickets and three to one money on the, on the bills. But this, they opened eight and a half and we're stuck at eight and a half. So I think that, I think there's a tell there and, and Brian could probably speak to that better than I can based on his experience behind the counter. But um, I think there's a tell there that uh, people think maybe this is a few too many points or not a few, but you know, perhaps a point or two higher than, 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 than this ought to be for the bills. Brian, you love the AFC East. What do we like here? No, this one, I think Patrick nit on the head that it's very telling how this line had just stayed at eight and a half since it opened. And, I don't know how anybody could really back the Patriots right now. And when the Bills do like win, they win pretty handedly. So if you do like them here, you can't take the spread. Even though at the same time, my pick here kind of contradicts that. I just can't see them losing. And again, this is a good teaser spot, even though it's kind of scary to tease 
a divisional road favorite, but you get them down to under a field goal. But if you if you want to kind of go with the sharp action here, but not necessarily take the Patriots on the spread, it wouldn't be bad to take a look at their team total over. I mean, that's pretty gross considering how bad this offense has been. But the Bills' defense is just decimated right now. Like, they've lost three of their best players in recent weeks. I mean, the Giants didn't score a touchdown on them, but they came very close to the goal line twice. It's just really fluky. And right now, seeing this Patriots team total just at 14 and a half, we can even get them at at uh, even money to score two touchdowns. So I'm actually keeping my run into the podcast, wanting to tease the Patriots with uh, the Seahawks. Pa- excuse me, tease the Bills, the Seahawks. But I might zag a little bit and ride the Sharps and just take the Patriots team total over and then not have to worry about them uh, covering. It's funny that you say the Patriots team total over is the sharp play, and that's what you guys are hearing because I went the other way in the column where I looked at this game and I said, listen, division games, I play a little differently. I usually look at past history, especially with teams that have the same coaches. Um, And obviously these two have had the same coaches for a while, same quarterback, same players, but these aren't your dad's New England Patriots. This is a much worse team with a much worse roster. There's not a lot of, uh, there's not a lot of trends there when looking at the two teams. Obviously the Bills have won more recently because they're better. Uh, They've been close sometimes. So the eight and a half kind of scares me since it is a divisional battle on the road. But the New England Patriots are a bad team, and they have yet to top 20 this entire season. They're averaging 12 points per game, which is the second lowest in the NFL, only to the Giants that we just talked about. Listen, the Bills got their scare, and they could easily come out and just kick the crap out of a poor roster and and just put them out of their misery. But the Bills could also continue to struggle like they did last week on short rest. Um, And and what I oscillated was the Patriots team total under. They haven't scored over 20 this year, and they've scored 20 total points the last three weeks. So, with all due respect to the Sharps, I, I kind of like the team total under. It's not my favorite play of the week. Uh, but if I'm looking at this game outside of anything else sticking out, like, I, you know, there's a lot of rumors out there that the, the that the Patriots might tank. And I hate using that word because they're professional athletes. Nobody's out there trying to lose on purpose. But the roster is that bad that I, I could see this team just not tanking, but giving up is the word that, that I put out there. Even today, there's rumors out there that, that Robert Kraft is already looking for a replacement. So I'm going team total under 15 and a half. Again, it's not a strong play and it's right in the face of all the sharp action, but we'll see what happens again. It's not my favorite play of the week. Um, Moving on to Raiders bears Raiders off of their latest win over the aforementioned Patriots traveling on the road to face the bears, giving three on the road total is sitting at 38 and a half. Another sub 40 total Patrick. This has to be a record of most totals under 40, in one week of the season. I think there are like five of them, and then there's another three that are at like 41. So um, what do you think on this one? Is this too low? You know, look, for for these two teams, probably probably not. And what I mean, what's interesting is this down quite a bit from the from the odds maker I talked to on every Sunday night. This was they opened at 42, got to 41 pretty much right away. And as you noted, we're now looking at, I mean, at the screen I'm looking at, I'm seeing mostly 38. Um, I mean, I, I haven't looked yet, so I'm not sure if weather is a, is a factor here, David. It, it, you know, I know in Chicago, off, obviously it often can be. And um, it certainly was last week and it was, you know, as it was in Cleveland with that, uh, with that Niners Browns game. But um, the, the, you know, the, the line's been pretty stable here. Don't know what to make of that. I think uh, obviously Las Vegas got a, you know, you know, beat New England last week. Got a very fortuitous cover off a of, off a of safety of Mac. I had the intro. Speaking, 
I'll t- let me tell you, I'll tell you a real quick, interesting story. I'm, I'm allowed to like mention certain books and not, I don't have to stray away from that. Right. I can name whoever I want to name. Is that fair? Yeah. Yes. Cause you'll love this story. Okay. So John Murray at the soup book, there's a, he was, he's also in a last man standing contest at station casinos. They're allowed to here in Nevada. You, you can, you're allowed to wager if you're behind the counter, but only at other companies. He had, um, Patriots three and a half in a, in a last man standing contest, which is kind of like a survivor. But in this case, it's a last man standing where you're going, going against the spread. Oh, and he had Patriots three and a half and he had Patriots three and a half in his last man standing. So it's just a sickening loss. But so Brian, when, yeah. when, when, when we have another one of these and, and I had asked Brian when that happened, if we should do a story on it in the moment, this is where you dial up Patrick and say, Hey, do you have a story for me to do? And you tell me the John Murray story. Yeah. We do a John <laughs> Murray story. And then we have John Murray on the podcast the following week, which I'm working on. So hi, John, I hope you're listening. Oh, he would, he would be perfect. You, I mean, you know, David, he's, well, you guys both know he's a really yes. good guy. Yes. And I just, I, he, he was, he was telling me how that, how that result was bad for the book. And then he, and then he texts me the ticket. He's like, and by the way, it killed my last man standing. I'm like, oh my gosh. On a safety on a third and whatever from your four yard line. But uh, look, so a very fortuitous cover for, for, for Las Vegas. I still don't think that's much of a, I still don't think that's much of a team. Um, so I don't know what to make of this game. It's, it, you know, Raiders three on the, on the, on the road bears, not really getting, you know, not seen as having any home field advantage. So uh, just not that, not that enthusiastic about it, but that total way down. I mean, it would be, I think, David, is this one of these totals you would have played early if you could get on it? I would have played this early again, using your strategy. Yeah. Yeah. Using my strategy. And then there's the added component, which is almost automatic for me two backup quarterbacks. When you have two backup quarterbacks, mm-hmm. of course, we don't know yet. We don't know ah. about Fields and Garoppolo. At the time when it was 40-41, we still don't know many days later. So now, do I lean under? Yes. But without knowing which quarterbacks are playing, it's a stay away. I do lean under, and yes, it, it all things, if it was still 39 or 40, and I knew it was going to be uh, backup versus backup, and no one ever heard of the Bears guy till last week. And we have you know rotating cast of characters on the Raiders side. I would definitely go under. Uh, keep in mind the Bears defense sucks too. Like it's not a very good defense. I'm not saying that that you know Raiders backup quarterback is going to blow out the Bears defense, but there is that factor of a bad defense playing in a game without your starting quarterback. Like I wouldn't be surprised if the Raiders finally put up points. But this game is really a stay away game for me, Brian. Yeah, I don't really want to watch any of this game. I understand how they set this line, but I don't think this Raiders team is good enough to be giving three points on the road against anybody. I mean, they're three and three, but they're definitely not three and three good by any means. I mean, take a look at their wins. They beat the Packers and Patriots at home. I mean, we know how bad the Patriots are. The Packers are underratedly one of the worst teams in the NFL this season, and their one road win was against the Broncos, and as each week passes by, that win just looks less and less impressive. And even regardless of who's at quarterback, I think this is too many points. And I think right now there's actually juice on the spread on uh, Raiders minus three at FanDuel. So if that gets up to three and a half, I'm just not sure it will. I would be all over the Bears. So we have broken down a whole bunch of hold your nose, may not want to watch games with low totals. There is a one o'clock game that has my interest. And it, it takes place in Baltimore where the four and two Ravens are hosting the five and one Detroit lions, a lions team that is one play away from being undefeated. 
And we all talked about the Lions in the offseason. Do you believe the hype? Do you believe the hype? Do you believe the hype? If you haven't bought a ticket on the Lions Express, now's the time to do it. Like, they're good, and they're very good. And by the way, not only are they 5-1 and one with one overtime loss, but four straight wins by two touchdowns or more. We're not talking about a last-minute field goal win here or sneaking by like your Eagles do every week, Brian. Four straight two touchdown or more wins. Uh, they are playing like the best team in football with all due respect to the Eagles and the Niners who lost last week playing bad. The Lions currently with, along with potentially Miami with the way their offense is playing as good as anybody. They're five and one and they're getting points. I like the Ravens. I bet them in the preseason to win the North. I have a ticket on them to win the AFC at high odds. They're not as good as the Ravens. They're not as good as the Lions and the Lions are getting points. I'm going with the Lions on this one plus the three. And if this is the one game that the Lions come down the reality, you tip your cap into the Ravens and move on. I like Baltimore, but they also just played in London. Don't have the bye. And they're now up against a very good Lions team. So I am going with the Lions. Brian, what do you think in this one? Well, we have our first uh, heads up play of the podcast. I like the Ravens here. I mean, they give all the credit in the world to the Lions. They've been really good this season, even surpassing the hype and my expectations especially. But don't sleep on this Ravens team here. They've been really good the past couple of weeks. And especially in the first half, they just let a lot of teams come back late in these games. I saw the Titans last week in London. They avoided a little scare there with the cover. But I get your concern with traveling back from London, not having to buy. That was why. That was one reason why I faded the Jaguars last week, and it didn't matter whatsoever. I mean... You don't want to draw too many conclusions from one game sample size, but clearly these teams are capable. Like clearly the jet lag isn't like, isn't guaranteed to be a factor by any means. And if I, I do like the Ravens here minus three, but I like them better in the first half at uh, giving just one and a half points. And don't get me wrong. Going West is easier than going East. So I'm not doing it just because of the jet lag. I actually think the Lions are the better team. I can see that that sample size has worked. And what honestly scares me about, um, this Baltimore team, and I'm going to kick it to you, Patrick, in a second, is every time you think they're back and they're good, they they, they throw up a game like the Steelers, which they had no business losing. And then they, they look like they're good, and then they get blown out by the Colts, which they have no business doing. So now you think they're back because they went to Tennessee and should have won by more. You, you don't really settle for six field goals, but they outplayed them in every stretch of the way. I'm just thinking this is a, a buy by against spot, but I absolutely see your, your point on the Ravens and you're only laying a field goal. Patrick, what are you hearing on this one? Yeah. Hearing a lot on this one. This is, as you noted, this isn't one of the hold your nose games. This is a really good game in the early window on Sunday. And last Sunday night, talking to Chase Michelson behind the counter at Superbook, he noted Detroit's defense is seemingly for real. And Baltimore will be making, as you two have already alluded to, the transatlantic flight that he said the wise guys love to bet against. And and Brian even alluded to it a moment ago with uh, with going against the Jags last week as they came back from a two-week stay in London. Uh, he added, he looked, the line implies a very even power rating for these teams, which he said he thinks is fair. He expects the Lions to be a popular public dog, uh, no question. And then in following up with uh, with my buddy Zach Lucas at, at Twin Spires on uh, midweek on Wednesday, he said the public is all over the lines. They went from two and a half to three Ravens because they did see, he said they saw sharp play on the Ravens two and a half, but he said the public's all over the lines. Very, uh, very popular team at the moment. Um, so he said, this one's really shaping up as a pros versus Joe's matchup with the public on Detroit and the, and the sharper set 
on uh, on Baltimore. And worth noting, and it's I'm sure it's come up in previous weeks uh, w- for the two of you on this podcast and elsewhere. But this is not just a you know it's a nice five and one straight up an ATS for uh, for Detroit at this point of the season. But it goes almost a year. They've got almost a full season in since last October. Thirteen and three straight up. 14 and two against the spread. This team is a money making machine for spread betters and has been since last October. I mean, yeah, they, they led the NFL last year with their cover mm-hmm. percentage, especially at the end of the year. And that's just continued. Yep. And we talk about trends. It's not like it's a new coach and a new quarterback. This is the same team as last year with some added exactly. stuff to their team. They didn't lose a quarterback or a receiver. Yes. Their, their running back situation is precarious due to injuries, but it's not like Montgomery has played every week anyway. They they have a great offense, and I'm believing more and more in their head coach, having seen him for a half a season in Miami, which at the time I was hoping we'd stick around with him and not go the route they went. But he's proving to be an outstanding coach, and um, we talked about this previously, and we have the article out there about uh, NFL futures a third of the way through the season. I have a Jared Goff 40-1 to MVP ticket that, you know, the MVP goes that. to the best quarterback on the best team, and this team winds up fourteen and three with the number one seed, pretty much liking that forty to one ticket. So, I love it. Um, that uh, that closes the door on the one o'clock games. Again, we're bringing you all of the Sunday action, breaking down all the betting sides, totals, player props, team props, etc. I'm with Patrick Everson of Vegas Insiders, Brian Blewis, uh, Pro Football Network's director of betting. Time to get to the four o'clock games and. Here is two teams that I absolutely have no idea what to do with. Um, Nothing would surprise me either way in terms of the spread or the total. So I don't have a strong play on this one. But the L.A. Rams giving three points at home to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Total sitting at 43.5, which is right there in the middle of of what you'd like to go over or under of. So that doesn't help you very much. Three, of course, is that magic number that could go either way. Steelers. Sometimes they look like a playoff team, and sometimes they look like they're going to get the number one pick. Rams, sometimes they show up at halftime like last week, and all of a sudden the light bulb goes off in Bay's head, and he says, oh, crap, I have a running game. Let me try it, and they run for 150 yards in the second half. So really don't know what to do here, but with Los Angeles down to a rookie third-string running back and cast-offs, I lean Pittsburgh. Don't trust them. Not a strong play. Brian, let's start with you. What do you like in this matchup? Yeah, I'm very torn in this one because I'm very high on this Rams team this season. I'm extremely low on the Steelers, but everybody knows that you always want to bet on the Steelers and Mike Tomlin as underdogs and could be a little bit of a sell high spot for the Rams coming off a a nice win last week, but I just can't get around to betting the Steelers. I just hate their offense. I think their defense is overrated. It really just gets carried by TJ Watt. But at the same time, if there's one weakness of this Rams offense, it's pass protection and going against elite pass rushers. I mean, we saw that be their downfall and their Eagles loss a couple of weeks ago. And wouldn't be totally surprised to see that again here. But I'm really liking what I've seen from this Rams team, especially their passing offense with Matthew Stafford turning the clock back to 2021, Cooper Cup looking like the same guy that was offense part of the year, and then Puka Nakua looked like one of the best wide receiver twos in the NFL. So I don't really have a play for this one just because I'm too scared to – Back to, to back to fade the Steelers here or to back them. Now, sometimes a good bet is a no bet. Like not everybody agrees with that, but it's your payroll. It's your pocketbook. It's your money management. You don't got to play every single game. I am likely not going to have a play in this game. The only way I may do it is I might throw the Steelers in a money line parlay lottery ticket and try to get 20 to one using the Steelers. But even then I don't love 
that pick. Patrick, what are you hearing on this one? Well, I haven't talked much about it because it's one of those, like you said, it's kind of one of those games where you just can't figure it out. But I did get a little bit of input from a pretty smart guy, who uh, a pretty sharp better, who actually likes Pittsburgh here at at yeah, at the plus three. And and uh, I think Brian, as you noted, there might be a three and a half or two out there uh, uh, that you could get now. So obviously, if you can get the hook, that's <laughs> that's that's certainly to your benefit. But um, you know, he said Pittsburgh's been, you know, what they've gotten done, they've gotten done with defense and special teams. And we kind of, we saw that to a degree in the, uh, uh, you know, when they beat Baltimore, but he said with, you know, coming off a of bye week, he said, maybe they've gotten a chance. He's hoping, and this is kind of what he hinged part of his wager on that. They've cleared up some offensive problems in the bye week. And he thinks the Rams could struggle to move the ball against Pittsburgh's defense. He likes the, he likes the Steelers defensive line. So um, at least one of the sharper sets seems to think Pittsburgh on the road, uh, getting three, and as I noted, you can maybe get three and a half now. Might not be a bad play. Three and a half, I jump on it because I lean Steelers yep. to begin with. I haven't taken anything yet, but at three and a half, I would take Mike Tomlin as an underdog and, you know, fitting a Rams team where if you watched last week's game, they decided not to run the ball in the first half. They had three carries for four total yards, and they passed the ball about 30 times, and they were awful, and they had six points. And the second half, they ran the ball the entire half and ripped off, you know, Couple, 180 yards rushing and a couple of touchdowns by Karen Williams. He's not back this week. They have a rookie running back and a whole bunch of castoffs like Royce Freeman and Miles Gatskin and, and Daryl Hendenson, who they've done everything in their power not to give the ball to. Um, if they can't run the ball, this team is in trouble. And that's why I would play the three and a half if it got there. Speaking of hooks, we have a game with a hook, a hook that is is comes into question the entire bet here because I don't think anybody would argue that Seattle Seahawks are not better than Arizona Cardinals, but are they seven and a half points better than the Arizona Cardinals? That's the line in Seattle. 44 and a half is the total seven and a half points to an Arizona Cardinals team that is hung around in a lot of games. And I'm going to get to the part of the Cardinals that I like in a second. Start with you, Patrick. What are you hearing in this game with that hook being on the home side, the home side of things? Yeah, that's interesting. And I see, I think there's at least one book uh, that might even have it up to up to eight at this point, which is interesting. That's, uh, you know, to your point, especially the first three or four weeks of the season, the Cardinals were uh, much better than anticipated covering the number, obviously got the huge uh, upset of, uh, of Dallas kind of come back to earth uh, a, a little bit, but they're, they've lost that they've lost straight up and, and against the spread in their last three games. So uh, and as you pointed out, that Arizona actually led the Rams nine six at at, uh, at halftime last week in a field goal fest. But um, you know, then the Rams got smart and started doing you know taking advantage of where they had an advantage and and, and pulled away in that game. Um, this was this was kind of interesting because at, at the Superbook on Sunday night they t- they open uh, they're not the I don't know, I don't think they're first to the board with their NFL games, but they're they're among the first. And they had Seattle eight at the outset and actually got to eight and a half. And then, uh, you know, it starts, it starts coming down. And as you noted, there was sevens there, David, and, and now you've got seven in the hook. So this has moved around a little bit depending on, you know, which books you shopped around at. And if you were checking out this number when the line first came up, I don't know if I'm comfortable laying a, laying a, laying a touchdown in the hook to your point. I think it's, uh, it's, I think Seattle's good. I think that's a decent team. Um, I'm just not sure if uh, if seven and the hook in this one is is one I'd be enthused about. 
Yeah, to me, to me, I'm not laying seven and a half with the Seattle team. I I saw Seattle on Monday night a few weeks ago. It wasn't pretty. They got by the Giants, but it wasn't a pretty game. Uh, they're not explosive. The receivers have issues in terms of injuries. Uh, I do think it's, and I hope I'm not stealing Brian's thunder. I think it's a potential teaser leg where you can get it at one and a half or two through the two key numbers. Um, I would play in a teaser leg with a couple of two other games, one of the other two games and th- that we haven't gotten to yet in the Dolphins or the Niners are also games that you can tease with Seattle if you choose to. One thing I do want to hop on, and I want to hop on it before it's too late, regardless of what you think of the Arizona Cardinals, They've been a very good first half team. They're five and one against the number in the first two quarters of the season, two first two quarters of every game and have led outright in four of them. So four of their six games, they've had the outright lead. They're getting four and a half. One of the games they didn't cover in the first half was the mighty San Francisco 49ers. Uh, But that was, that's the one that they didn't cover. And it was a late touchdown by the Niners that sunk that bet in the first half. I don't see Seattle as a team that gets out the hot starts. And I think Arizona, their MO right now, is first half and then die in the second half. They did it again versus the Bengals last week. So uh, if I play this game, it'll either be in a teaser or Cardinals first half. I don't like the seven and a half any which way. Brian, what do you like in this one? Yeah, I mean, look at the Seahawks game last week. On the surface, looks like a bad loss and only putting up 13 points. But they got pretty unlucky in that one. They had two turnovers on downs inside the 10-yard line, and then they threw interception in the red zone as well. They outgained the Bengals by 170 yards, and then they still lost by four points. And they're going against a much worse Cardinals defense this week. So I see it's a really big bounce-back spot for their offense. So I will lean the over on their team total at 26.5 right now while it's below a key number. Then maybe even a total for the game itself. I just I think Patrick nailed the head of this Cardinals team to kind of they're definitely overachieving through the first few weeks of the season. And now reality starting to set back in for this team with expectations more like playing more of the team we thought they were before the season that could be one of the worst teams in NFL history. Granted, they're not that bad. They're still a terrible team. And I still like the Seahawks offense with Gino, his receivers, and Kenneth Walker. So I like a bounce back spot for their offense here. I think the, the the start that Josh Dobbs had is coming back to earth and we saw Kyler at practice this week. So they'll hang around and, you know, I've watched way too much Cardinals action because unfortunately I have a bunch of their fantasy players and I often bet on them. Um, it's, it's not, not a good football team. Uh, staying out West, the Denver Broncos are hosting the Green Bay Packers. I want to start with Patrick here because it's a tight line. Packers laying one and a half on the road. So you've probably seen some movement. I do not know if it's hopped over zero. Um, I know that the Packers are one and a half favorite on the road. Total is sitting at 45 with not much movement. I'm also going to kick it to you because I have absolutely no play on this one. I don't want anything to do with this game. I don't want to watch this game. I don't want to bet on it. Total pass, nothing. Patrick, what are you hearing? Well, they're my Denver Broncos, so you know it's a total pass. This is a horrid team. Speaking of which, how much? Speaking of which, how much chili money do I get for scoring seventy points against your Denver Broncos? Oh, I forgot about that. I'll, yeah. I'll have to work on that. Um, <laughs> I don't know what it would be. I'll I'll make sure you can at least get a three for me or something. Um, a golf round so, when I'm there uh, for the Super Bowl. How does that sound? No, that that's a possibility. That's a possibility. Okay. That would be a lot of fun. Um, so, yeah, I could probably work that out, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. <laughs> Look, this is just this just tells you how bad the Broncos are because Green Bay isn't that good. They're terrible. Okay. Exactly. And they're in Denver. Lay, I mean, I know it's a point, point and a half, whatever. The Broncos are an underdog to this team, at ho- a home underdog to this team, um, which is just mind-boggling. 
So I don't know you know, how to make heads or tails of this other than to say, look, you know, I don't see how Denver could be favored either. The team's horrible. I mean, they just, they haven't cashed this season. Uh, maybe one, four and one. I'm not sure if they're a one, four and one or, oh, uh, or rather, oh, uh, or oh, five and one. I've got to double check. I think it depends on, uh, but, but that's a team that doesn't cash, doesn't win. Not what people were expecting this season with Sean Payton coming in, hoping he could get Russell Wilson right. And, and, you know, I've seen some, you know, some stats and some, some, some smart folks tweeting out, look, this isn't necessarily a, uh, you know, an all Russell Wilson thing. And it's not necessarily, but still this team isn't doing on offense, what people anticipated it would do on offense. It, uh, and it, and it's, it's just not a good football team. And it shows when you're a home dog, against Green Bay and Green Bay doesn't have Aaron Rodgers anymore and 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 isn't really necessarily sure what it's gotten Jordan Love. So um yeah, it's an absolute stay away wonky game. I mean, look, if you had to say hey, who are you going to bet? I mean, almost always I, for years I would always say, look, if Denver is ever under a field goal at home, I'm taking Denver. Um now they're actually getting points and I'm just like, yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> Brian are you looking at this game in any way, shape, or form? If I did have a play, I would have to go with the Broncos, just getting points at home against a Packers team that just very down on and starts with Jordan Love. He just has been quietly one of the worst quarterbacks in the league this year. I'm just looking at completion percentage over expectation. He is dead last of all starting quarterbacks in the NFL when you exclude Anthony Richardson, who's now out for the season, got injured a few times during the season anyway. He just hasn't given me any confidence, even against a Broncos defense this bad, to be a road favorite against anybody. So I'll just another hold-your-nose play. I don't want to watch this game either. I may or not bet this, but if I had to give out a pick, I would go with the Broncos. That is definitely a hold-your-nose scenario. And we saw it a few weeks ago when the Broncos played the Bears and were favored on the road after allowing 70 points to the Dolphins, which I'm going to bring up (laughs) as often as I possibly can. Uh, And I said, if you're you're laying three points on the road with the Broncos, you're absolutely freaking nuts. I said it on the pod, and then the Bears went out and, you know, took a 20 20 to nothing lead, and I was looking like a genius. And then, lo and behold, come all the way back, and the Broncos pushed the spread, but at least they didn't cover the spread and make me look like an idiot. We got – one more four o'clock game. It's another divisional battle. This is the AFC West. Kansas City Chiefs hosting the Los Angeles Chargers, formerly of San Francisco. The Chiefs are laying five and a half. Total was at 49 and a half, have been bet down to 47 and a half. You have a Kansas City team who played on Thursday uh, last week and didn't look very impressive in their win uh, 10 days off and now are hosting a Chargers team who played on Monday night. Um, I always look at those things. I'm a little nutsy when it comes to days off and travel and got one team on 10 days rest versus one team on six days rest or even less because of the Monday night game. Uh, But it's also a team that you shouldn't lay many points with because the Chiefs don't cover large spreads. Uh, This is not a large one. It's slightly larger than normal. Patrick, what are you hearing on this game? It's a tricky spot at five and a half. It's kind of a number you don't see often. Uh, but it's one here that I can absolutely see the Chiefs covering on. Uh, the Chargers play close games every single week, which is why you don't lay the six and a half here, uh, five and a half. But if I had a play, it would be the lean. What do you like about this? Right. It, it is interesting. And Brian could probably speak to this too about it with his experience behind the counter. When you get these numbers of like five, five and a half, it's, it's, it's oftentimes, and the odds makers even say it, we, we kind of, we think that's kind of maybe the number, but really what we're saying when we put that number out there is, 
where do betters want to take us? We're going to put it there and you tell us where we're going. Are we going toward the key number of four or are we going toward the key number of six and maybe even seven? So I think what's interesting is this number is pretty, at least from what I've seen, Brian, this is stuck pretty solid at five and a half all week. They haven't been, you know, the books haven't really been pulled either way. But what Chase Michelson said on Sunday night at the Superbook, he said he felt like he feels like Kansas City has been sleepwalking most of the season. I agree. But he said they're still winning games and they're covering. They're five and zero straight up, four and one ATS since that week one home loss to Detroit last week. Obviously, it wasn't pretty. Uh, my Broncos managed to ugly it up plenty, but the Chiefs were ten and. and but uh, to your point, David, that was a double digit spread, and the Chiefs covered the double digit spread with a late field goal to win nineteen to eight. So, um, they he said they would have opened this game six, but they don't feel like Casey's offense is quick clicking quite the way it's capable of and but that said he said he wouldn't be surprised if we don't need la in this game and i'm sure you know thursday night prime time or i'm sorry i'm not thursday night this after afternoon game but late kick in late window on sunday um he it's not going to be a surprise if especially if this goes six six and a half or, or or more you know six or six and a half as we get to uh sunday you know the money line parlays are all going to roll to kansas city here um, Los Angeles is getting to a very tricky part of its season for a team that, you know, made the playoffs last year. If they want to get back to the playoffs, they got to find a way to start winning these kinds of games. And I'm just not sure if they can. So, uh, I can tell you the odds makers, generally speaking, are going to need KC primarily because of the money line parlays. And if this becomes a, you know, a, a teaser game as, as well, if, if the number starts to go up, um, I'm just not sure, like you said, David, if, if you want to, you know, if you, if you want to take, you know, deal with the chiefs again, but at the same time, the chargers are going to, the chargers often charger. So I'm not sure if you want to deal with that either. The chargers often charger is a really, really good line. Brian, what do you think of this game? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so this line actually was at six before Monday night football. So it's kind of surprising or not surprised, maybe telling that after the, everyone watches the primetime games, ever saw the chargers, have a pretty underwhelming outing in their loss against the Cowboys, yet this line goes down. That's saying something there about potentially where the money is going. I like this number a lot at six, six and a half, as Patrick mentioned. Never know what to do with these spreads that are like five, five and a half. It just like like he said, it's kind of really just like we don't know what to do with this number, so it's going to make it five and a half. But right now, I really like the under for this one. I mean, besides that one game against the Bears, which is it's like the Bears defense, anybody could score on them. Every one of the Chiefs games has gone under this year, I'm pretty sure, at least under 48 points. And their offense is still trying to figure things out. As Patrick mentioned, too, they've just kind of been sloppy this season as well. And something's wrong with this Chargers offense, maybe. And they're not getting – I mean, the Cowboys are really good defense, so this maybe could be a bounce-back spot. But the Chiefs defense has been incredible this season, too. It actually has been the strength of their team. So right now at DraftKings, it's still at 48. You could get a push there, but it's better than the 47. So I'll take the under 48. Let me let me add real quick, David, that uh, uh, um, Zach Lucas at Twin Spires told me on Wednesday, and it just it popped into my head, and I'm sorry, I should have mentioned it a moment ago, but uh, Brian refreshed my memory on it. He said the public keeps chasing overs on Kansas City every week, and he that said that's sense. been great for us. He said it's been yeah, great it for sense. us. And, and you guys both hit it, and this is why we have someone like Patrick on the show to explain what five and a half really means. When I see a spread that's five and a half, my inclination is to immediately skip it. Like It's like I don't yep. – if the books don't know what to do with the line, I'm not going to try to be smarter than that and just say, you know what? I'm out. Let me go find a two and a half, three and a half, <laughs> seven and a half, six and a half. 
Uh, five and a half is a tough one. Like the Kansas City Chiefs are the better team and have the more rest, and the Chargers coming off another crappy loss on primetime and Charger themselves. But you go back and look, and, and this was a stat that I was going to bring up earlier, but I decided to kick it to you guys. Like the last time the Chiefs beat the Chargers by more than six, which would cover this line, six or more, was 2019. And they play each other two times a year. So they, the last five or six meetings have all been decided. Either the Chargers have won or the Chiefs have won a close game. Additionally, the Chargers haven't lost by six or more in any of the last 13 games. Crazy. They charger themselves. They cover every spread when they're a dog and they don't cover when they're a favorite. They play close games every week. It's tough to lay that five and a half, but they're also the better team. We got one more game left. And this is the part of the program where Brian and I say we're recruiting ourselves and, and Patrick takes over and does the rest of the show. Um, <laughs> I do have some insight. The Miami Dolphins. Dolphins. I'm not giving out a pick, but I will. I do have some uh, insight to get. Well, there's plenty of insight to be yeah. had. Nobody knows the Dolphins better than me and nobody knows the Eagles better than you. Uh, the two of us will be in attendance at Lincoln Financial Field on Sunday night nice. for the battle of the five and one teams. I'll be meeting up with Brian at, at some tailgates. And um, if you're at the Philadelphia area, come to the tailgate and PFN will be there. Well represented. We'll be working there and then we'll be enjoying some Sunday night football. Only two of the Dolphins six games this season have stayed under 60 points. Forget about 50, 60 points. One was against Belichick and his scheming Patriots. And the other was against the Giants team when the Dolphins backups played most of the fourth quarter. Both teams are banged up to a degree, depending on where it is. Um, Eagles minus two, the total sitting at 51 and a half. I'm actually going to start with Brian. Uh, Brian, your take on your Philadelphia Eagles hosting the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, so this line opened at two and a half on Sunday night, and then it got as low as one and a half at some places just because of the injuries with the Eagles. But now it's back up to two and a half with juice on the two and a half at FanDuel. I think a big reason for that is just – Eagles have some positive news on the injury front. It looks like Lane Johnson will play in this one, who, after Jalen Hurts, you could argue is the most valuable player in the Eagles. Just the offense falls off a cliff and he's out of the game because he's not only is he one of the best pass blockers in the NFL, but they leave him on an island. Like he never needs help to double anybody on the edge. So that just is such a luxury for Jalen Hurts' passing offense. And it fell off a cliff last week against the Jets when his backup was getting torched all game. Then they had to send him help. And Jalen Hurts has looked a lot less comfortable about having that security blanket of uh, Lane Johnson protecting his uh, right side. But I don't want to – I'm a little nervous getting a pick here on the sides. I think some sharp money is coming on the Eagles just with with trending with the spread and the Dolphins playing on the road in this uh, tough Philly crowd. But right now, I like the over. It's at 51.5. I think that dropped from 52.5. And if it looks like that Lane Johnson is going to go, then the Eagles offense should be able to – keep pace offensively this Bills not this Bills sorry this Dolphins offense and David you know this better than us as good as the Dolphins offense is their defense has been really bad yeah the defense has been bad uh it's gotten better recently but I was asked a very interesting interesting question on a Tampa Bay radio show earlier this week is the Dolphin defense getting better or is it a victim of playing the Giants and the Panthers last yeah. two weeks? And I think it's a combination of both. They've blitzed a lot more. Uh, it's not like Daniel Jones is, is, is a bad quarterback, but neither yes. team had an offensive line. Um, it, it's the Dolphin defense have definitely benefited from that, but Jalen Ramsey's coming back to practice. Uh, the defense will get better, but it's not good. 
Um, and it's kind of a good matchup against a, a mobile quarterback and Jalen Hurts. And I don't think the Eagles are going to be able to stop the Dolphins. So I am over the 51 and a half. I'm going to continue betting Dolphins overs every single week. Um, if you had done that, you'd be four and two right now. And, you know, it, it's I actually think you'd be five and one because I think the Giants did have the pick six that put it over the total. Um, but Dolphins team total, you'd be four and two. Uh, this team just scores like a machine. And Patrick, are you hearing anything different about the over under here? No, not at all. And I think it's it's a good play. And as Brian noted, this is actually down a point. So you're getting a little a little bit of value at 51 and a half. It opened at 52 and a half. And, and if, uh, like you said, if Lane Johnson's healthy and uh, and both offenses are ready to go, then, uh, you know, this could be, uh, hopefully it is, a really entertaining game to watch. And you got two really public teams. Zach Lucas of Twin Spires told me yesterday, Wednesday, midweek, he said uh, the volume on this game with both these teams being very public teams is four times more than the next highest handle game. Now, again, that's midweek. There's not a lot in the pot at midweek. But everybody's really amped up. This is clearly the this is the circled game on the uh, you know on the Sunday schedule. But he did say the pub you know the Dolphins are the public play. The public loves to see all that offense. You got the Eagles coming off a loss and the Dolphins you know seemingly rolling. But he also noted he said, look, Miami has been great at beating up bad teams. So it'll be interesting to see what happens here. The light, you know every you know he pointed out as did others that you know the Dolphins were short dogs at uh, uh, at Buffalo. And that didn't go so well. And uh, uh, and the public was on them in that case as well. And the public is certainly on them this week. He said, we're going to need Philly here, no doubt, which which doesn't – I guess it doesn't surprise me because, again, there's some recency bias creeping in here with the Eagles off the loss. But uh, this should be a really good game. And, and Chase Michelson at the Superbook said, look, we expect significant handle on both these games – on both these teams because the public is invested in both these teams heavily, not just on a week to week basis, but these are teams now that, you know, are, are certainly popular in, in futures market. I got one player. I just, this one I like too. And it's kind of a fate of last week. Geo and hurts to not throw an interception right now. It's at minus minus one thirty at DraftKings. He had three picks last week. Only one was his fault, but it lost him the game. And an emphasis this week is definitely the Eagles to protect the football and Hurts' decision making. And that Jets defense is really good. And he, a big part of why he threw that pick was he's he anticipating pressure because he didn't have trust in uh, Lane Johnson's backup and Jack Driscoll. And he threw it off his back foot into, into really tight coverage. I think they'll put an emphasis on him protecting the football this week, going against the worst defense. And you can't give the Dolphins any more possessions. I mean, they're the best offense we've seen since the greatest show on turf. So I like that play there under interceptions for Hurts. Yeah, and, and, and Adam Beasley, Pro Football Network's Dolphins reporter slash insider, has written on the fact that while the Dolphin defense is getting better with points allowed and stopping the run and, and sacks, they're still way behind in terms of turnover creation. They only they're have two interceptions. Getting, yeah, I mean, they're minus three on the season in turnover. You don't see five and one teams that are setting NFL records on offense um, have a minus three turnover differential, that's but crazy. that's how good their offense has been. So uh, I wouldn't expect many turnovers in this game as well. Um, so I do like your play there uh, and I am on the over. So that's a wrap. That's all 13 games um, for Sunday. Obviously tune in to profootballnetwork.com or at PFN betting to get all of your betting needs. Uh, Brian, real quick, you want to tell everybody what articles we have? Yeah. By the time this drops, well, for Sunday, we'll have our picks and predictions, our best bets, which our best bets have been our absolute heater this year. You should keep reading those and tailing those bets. We'll have player props for the main slate, 
same game parlay for the Dolphins Eagles game, player props for the Dolphins Eagles game. There you have it, Patrick. Once again, thank you for joining us. I wish we could have another bet because the last bet went very, very (laughs) well well for you. But thanks for joining us again. We'll probably have you on in a couple of weeks. So for Brian Beasley and Patrick Everson, I'm David Behrman. Thank you for listening. 